um, Genesis, the third chapter. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version today, so if you have a King James, of course, this is going to read a little differently. If you any other version, this will be a little wordier than some of the other versions. But here we go. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty, subtle, skilled in deceit than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent, Satan, said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden except the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God said you shall not eat from it nor touch it, otherwise you will die. But the serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. Uh, How many knows that was a lie? For God knows that on the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. That is, you will have greater awareness and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. Partial truth. How many knows the enemy works in both deception and partial deception? All right. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delightful to look at, and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise and insightful, she took some of its fruit and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband with her. Where was he at? With her. And he ate. Then the eyes of the two of them were opened. That is, their awareness increased, and they knew that they were naked, and they fastened fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool afternoon breeze of the day, so the man and his wife hid and kept themselves hidden from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten fruit from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled and deceived me, and I ate from the forbidden tree. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than any animal of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity Open hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her seed. And he shall fatally bruise your head and you shall only bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth and in pain you will give birth to children. Yet, you desi- yet your desire and longing will be for your husband, and he will rule with authority over you and be responsible for you. 
Then to Adam the Lord said, Because you have listened attentively to the voice of your wife and have eaten fruit from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. The ground is now under a curse because of you. In sorrow and toil you shall eat the fruit of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread until you return to the ground from where it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Verse 20, the man named his wife Eve, meaning life spring or life giver, because she was the mother of all the living. Father, we magnify you for the reading of your word. Your word never returns void. Your word is always truth. We thank you, Lord, that what we, I'm going to try to pull from this today, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you lead me, guide me, direct me, that you speak what needs to be spoken here today, not just thoughts that I have placed on paper. God, I magnify you, I glorify you in Jesus' name, and all the saints said, amen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start today, and I know that the ladies might be a little nervous that I would start with this story, because so many ladies get beat up because of this story. But I want you to know I'm not here to beat you up because of this story. Because, but for the grace of God, any one of us could have been the person who got beguiled by the enemy who could say amen. That, that goes for us men too. I want to, if I'm going to title this message today, it's going to be this. The devil wants your seed. The devil wants your seed. As we celebrate mothers today, let's look at the life of the first mother, who was Eve. Eve, you, we just read it, means life spring. She's the giver of life. Life spring in that every person on the planet has a navel and has been birthed through, divine creation, through the divine creation of reproduction. Adam was the prototype of all men or father of all mankind, the seed giver. Eve was the prototype of motherhood for all mankind, the wellspring of life. Adam's description of Eve was spot on. Because how many of you, when you get a boo-boo, run to your mama? Come on. Not a man in here was brave enough to raise his hand in that moment. How many of you, after you got married, found out your wife maybe not quite as attentive as mama was to when you had a little croup and a little cough? There's something about mamas that nurture, and they bring the best out of you. And sometimes mamas can love us so much they coddle us just a little too much. And sometimes we got to get shoved out of the nest a little bit more to spread our wings and to try things out in life. But there's nothing like a mother's love. And there's no life like the life that a mother speaks into a child. A father, uh, every child needs a father's influence. We're in the trouble in the world we, are, we have today simply because there's not enough fathers in, the, in our homes. There's too many split homes. There's too much uh, marriage and intermarriage. And, and, and families aren't getting the dynamic that they need. 
Fathers are very, very important, and we'll talk about that on Father's Day. But on Mother's Day, I want you to understand the importance of what Eve passed on to each generation. Now, from, uh, from her came the birthing of life. If I can say it in this sense, ladies, please don't throw a stone at me. A woman's greatest gift and attribute in this life is the fact that you were born an incubator. I know that sounds crazy, but you're born an incubator. Now, come on, men, listen close, lean in. I want to give you a new respect for your lady. Listen to me. Anything you hand your wife, she incubates it and gives it back to you better than you gave it to her. I got the ladies on my side. You, you tell a woman, I, I, I'm going to buy a house. You hand it to her. She pretties it up. She fixes it up. She gets it where she needs and she hands you back a home. Oh, come on now. Come on now. And so a woman has this incredible way in her to take the, the inspiration of the life that you hand her and hand it back to you in a better, more full, completed way. And so, gentlemen, if you have any, have you, any of you been in the birthing process with your wife? Have you been in the hospital through the birthing process? Get your hand up real big. There's some brave men in this room. How many of you walked out of there going, thank you, Jesus, I'm not a woman? Huh? Come on. Whew. I was happy that all I had was a kidney stone. <laughs> kidney stone I can do. Well, I, was with, I was with Colleen when Austin was born, and wow, wow. 24 hours she laid in labor pains. 24 hours. And she reminds him every little bit. <laughs> we had sought for children for a long, long time. And, and it just hadn't happened. And she came in one day with a little plastic stick that had a little a little plus sign on it, and handed it to me. And I'm like, oh, what's this? And so she explained to me what it meant. And, and we started into a process, and I watched her change, and I watched things happen with her in her body. And there's something special about that moment when your wife is carrying your child. It's inexplicable. If you're a good man, if you're a true man, if you're a man who loves your wife, you're going to be up in the process with her. If you're not, you need to get up in the process with her. You need to appreciate the woman for what she's adding back to your life. And we went through that process, and, and I grew more and more in love with her each day. And then there comes that moment when they start feeling movement and they had got to put your hand on their belly and you don't feel it, but you go, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I'm just being honest. 
And then there comes that day when you see this little footprint sticking out, and you go, alien! <laughs> and then she eats some of the things that you're going, but it's okay. That's my baby in there. I guess, I guess he needed sauerkraut and ice cream. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, that whole process was so incredible. And she went through 24 hours of labor. And then they handed me this little red wrinkled little person. His, hand, his head was the size of the palm of my hand. And I'm holding him thinking, I'm going to break it, I'm going to break it, I'm going to break it. <laughs> and I'm holding him, and, and because of the way he was born, she could not hold him immediately. They had her arms strapped down. And so I just held him close to her. And she's like, oh, isn't he wonderful? And I thought, yeah, but he's kind of like needs help. <laughs> he was perfect. He was. I looked down, and, and, and the most incredible thing happened. Our children go through processes as they're, as they're growing up, and their looks change and things. But for some reason, the moment I looked into that little face, I said, oh, he looks like me. Yes, he does. <laughs> if he don't, she's got some explaining to do. <laughs> I'm just joking. Relax. But I looked into that little face and I went, this is alive. I knew looking down, destiny was looking back at me. And it hit me in that moment. You better fly right, boy. You better fly right because this little man is going to follow the things you do. And he's going to need you to put the right things in his life. And so the most incredible moment of my entire life was when I stood and watched that woman take a seed I had given her and she handed me a harvest that is about to reproduce for me again. Wow. 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 So, ladies, please take it as the utmost compliment that I call you an incubator. All of us men know here that there would be no race if men were left to sire the children alone. In the narrative, we're in the early days of the creation of humanity. Adam offered up Eve, offered up for himself uh, for Eve's birth, which came by surgical precision. Eve was released out of man. 
Never does it say that God breathed life but one time in the garden, and that's when he breathed into Adam. And the word goes on to tell us that when God created man, he created him male and female, and they only had one name, and it was Adam, Adam, Adam. But through surgical process, God saw that it was lonely, that, that Adam was lonely and that he needed a help meet. And so he caused Adam into a deep sleep and removes from him a side of his personality and his character and brings out this creation called Eve, called woman. And he woke up from the surgery and went, whoa, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it only says that God breathed one time. So in a sense, Eve was birthed out of Adam, in a sense. Both created at the same time, but she was released from Adam. And this is why, men, we get so Twitter-pated when we're dating, because when you meet that girl and you've come to that age, there's something in you that says, I'm not fully complete. Not one man said amen. There comes that time when you realize you're not fully complete and there's more to life than just you. And you could use a little help. Because you try to give life to a lot of things, and you can be good with your hands, and you can be good at business, you can be good at pushing a pencil, but that doesn't make life full and complete and beautiful for you. But when you have someone to come home to, to share your day with, and to explain how things went for you, and you find on the other side of that someone who's interested in you and interested in what's going on, you have found a good thing, you have found a wife, and when your wife is standing next to you, you are complete, you are whole, and the two of you together make the team that God intended in the Garden of Eden. Can you say amen to that? I have got to fly because i got a long way to go in a short time to get there. So I'm going to stick a little close to my notes here just simply because I don't want to miss things and I want to try to get us out uh, as close to, to what we think should be time uh, as possible. So out of Eve, out of Adam came Eve and out of Eve came the stream of humanity. And a promise that Eve would produce a serpent crushing seed after this whole garden experience. I love that line. It was capitalized. I don't know if it was capitalized on the version that was on the screen or not, but when I was reading out of the version that I was reading, it was capitalized. God wanted to make sure, or whoever the writers were, wanted to make sure they emphasized that this wasn't just a seed, this was the seed. Mm. Of course, she thought Cain was her promise of a serpent killer. But Satan, that serpent, was biting his heels. He was at Cain's heels causing jealousy and rage and murder because he thought, too, that Cain was the promised serpent killer. When that thing was brought forth in the garden, when that, when that a, a judgment was brought about, Satan heard, there's coming another man who's going to crush you. And so now he's living in fear of the seed crusher. 
He's living in fear that there's one coming who's going to crush the head of the serpent, and in his mind, he now has a warfare. He has got to get busy at trying to figure out who the seed is so that he can take the seed out. Of course, he was not the promise that she was looking for. Neither was Abel or Seth. But Satan, that serpent, was biting and biting and biting and trying his best to wipe out a chain of murderous, adulterous, insubordinate behaviors was loose through the fallen state of man as Satan's beguiling flowed from generation to generation looking to destroy the promise of Eve's seed. You see, in the natural process of things, it is man who hands the woman a seed and the woman receives the seed and she germinates and incubates and brings forth a life out of the seed that man has given her. But God gave us a mystery in this word when he said, woman, the woman will have a seed. Oh, I don't know if you can handle this. Look at your neighbor and say, you look perplexed. May I suggest something that you haven't thought about? In verse 15, God said that there will be warfare between your seed, the serpent, and her seed. Now, between your seed, when he's speaking to the serpent, it is not capitalized. But when he's talking to Eve, it is capitalized. This very subtle but very on-purpose hint given to Eve as to the vindication for being deceived or beguiled by the enemy. That word beguiled really paints for us much like what you see in India with a snake charmer. That person who they're playing an instrument and they're doing this. And there's a cobra, sometimes in a basket, or just on the ground, and the cobra starts doing the rocking back and forth to the music. The truth is, the cobra is probably not hearing the music at all, but he's watching the beguiler, the charmer, the person who's rocking him into a trance. And about the time the snake studying the man of when he should strike, the man reaches out and grabs him underneath the head where he cannot bite. This is the same picture of what happened to Eve in the garden. The enemy comes along. She's heard the word secondhand. And there she is in the garden. And the enemy comes along, and he says, you know, God lied to you. God lied. He didn't tell you truth. He knows something. I know something he, that you don't know, and I'm going to share that with you. And you'll know even more than your husband if you listen close to me. And the enemy started the dance in the garden. And after a while, it was easy for her. Can I tell you where my greatest judgment comes? Not on Eve. On the man who stood beside her and let it happen. That's where the buck stops. That's where it should have happened. That's why the word says the sins of the father are passed from generation to generation. 
the generation. Do you notice God didn't place it on Eve? He placed it on Adam. Mm. You all look at me like, what are you talking about? Well, may I suggest to you that God is setting the devil up to be beaten at his own game. He beguiled Eve into a trap. And God is leading the devil into a sense of impending doom with every male child born in the Old Testament. But notice the capitalization of the word seed, which speaks that this warfare analogy, that he's not just talking about any male born, he's talking about a specific one, the seed of woman. Ladies, may I strongly suggest that women cannot produce seed alone. In fact, it is the male who brings seed to the marriage bed. It is a partnership that produces offspring. Neither male nor female can produce solely. And science, as smart as it thinks it is, cannot replicate the act without the building blocks that God alone holds the patent to. So throughout history, there have been wars and diseases and pestilence and famines and religious mutations through sacrifice. And why? It's because, is it because man is so evil? I believe it is because man is so easily beguiled. Because Adam knew better than partake of the forbidden fruit, but was won over by a secondhand beguiling. While the woman still caught in the days, and she tasted, and she didn't immediately die, she goes, hey, try this. And as twitter-pated as us men are, he went, sure, I'll try it with you. Mm. So, Adam knew better than partake of the forbidden fruit, but he was won over. We often give Eve a bad rap, but a man who won't have backbone to fight for what is right and roll over by a simple charming is a man out of position. Satan fought from the beginning of time until the first century trying to wipe out the seed capitalized. Every time there was a rumor of a deliverer, Satan rose up to kill him. The first person to die was Abel. Then there came a period of time, and I won't get into this and make a big long thing, but then there came a period of time when he tried to corrupt the blood, bloodline or the lineage of man by introducing the Nephilim. And that was just before Moses. But then Moses was a type of deliverer who delivered his family out of a, uh, out of a cesspool of, uh, how, how do I say this, genetic alteration that had happened to mankind. Satan, Satan rose up to kill every one of them when Moses was rumored to be a deliverer. What happened? Is, uh, Egypt comes in and they kill all the firstborn because they don't want the thought of there being a deliverer in their midst. Now, who do you think was behind that? 
But Moses was saved out of it. And in the time of the birth of Jesus, Herod, a Jew himself, didn't want no other king above him. And so he tried to wipe out every male child born from, from birth to the age of two to make sure he wiped out the deliverer. Mm. Aren't you glad that God spoke to Joseph in a dream? Now, I want you to understand, every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room, Satan hates you because of Eve's promise. Now we know that it was Mary that this promise was fulfilled in. The woman who produced a seed without the conventional practice of childbirth. It was a woman's seed. Mm. The promise fulfilled when God overshadowed her. She was supernaturally able to conceive and produce Jesus, who was the seed of woman. The promise fulfilled, the devil crushed. Jesus did the unthinkable. He replicated himself into every believer, male and female. When Jesus defeated him on Calvary, it looked as if the devil won. But what the devil didn't understand is the strike that you took at his heel is exactly the strike that God had intentioned. And when he came down from the cross and the stone rolled away, it landed with Christ's foot right on your head and on your authority, and he took it back, the, the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he came up victorious. And the seed of woman crushed the serpent on the day of the crucifixion of Christ in his resurrection power. <laughs> I'm having way too much fun. So look at this. He's now... Jesus has now replicated himself into every believer, male and female. So, oh my goodness, mama, you hold the ability to add to the devil's paranoia every time you give birth. It's not just male children now. Every child that is born male or female holds the potential to just step up to the plate and put their foot on top of the, of, of the serpent again and just kind of do this little number right here. And I think that dog walks around looking like this. I think his jaws are all jacked up. I think his head is as flat as it can be. I think he's getting tired of generation after generation after generation of children being born because every time a child is born, he thinks he's got to put out the light. Every time a child is born, he thinks he's got to keep them from the gospel. Every time a child is born, he lives in fear that they will hear the message of Jesus Christ and act upon that message and become one more crusher of his head. So let me share this truth with you. Satan hates every child born. And each child that holds a potential, he wants to stamp out. 
So throughout all of history, Satan has been killing off mankind in an attempt to stop Christ's victory tour. He spews hatred and deception and confusion and disillusionment and depression and hopelessness and defilement and perversion, suicide and murder in an attempt to stop Christ from advancing the kingdom to one more soul. Since 1973, oh, yeah, I'm going there. You better know I'm going there. Since 1973 in America, 63 million babies have been aborted since our nation adopted the practices of abortion on the Roe versus Wade that brought about a bloody wave of infanticide. The darkest period of the history of America, as dark as slavery was, Roe versus Wade has even been darker. Mm. Do you know that 63 million babies in that period of time is the combined population of Georgia, Michigan, Virginia, Nebraska, Nevada, uh, Iowa, South Dakota, Rhode Island, Arizona, Oregon, Kansas, Vermont, Mississippi, and Alaska. Those 14 states wiped desolate, desolate. Think about those territories vacant and how many souls Satan has wiped out in less than 50 years. Six million Jews died in the Holocaust. That is an unspeakable shame. But 63 million children have died in America alone. That's not counting the other nations that allow abortion. But may I suggest that suddenly is now. Because there's a shift on the horizon. Our Supreme Court is about to reverse their decision on Roe versus Wade. <laughs> Don't get me started now. If that don't make you shout, you're messed up. It's on the horizon. It's ready to happen. Satan is so scared, he's leaking information to try to start some kind of trouble. Well, leak it on. You think that caught God by surprise? And here's what I love. Because we got so much into the worship of our last president, who I think is really probably still our president, but that's neither here nor there. But we got to worshiping a man instead of the God of the man. So God will remove what needs to be removed for us to get into the right place in the right heart. And in the midst of, in my opinion, if you're of a different political bent, I understand and I love you with all of my heart. And you can go out of here and you can not like me. But I'm just got to say what's on my heart. And I got the pulpit and the mic and I can do it. <laughs> I 
in the darkest regime we've ever had. We've had more unraveling going on than I can ever in my lifetime remember. And it's not even subtle. It's in your face. And yet, as dark as they're trying to make it, God is working, crushing, crushing, crushing the head of the serpent. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I'm almost done. 13 pages left. We're there. We're almost there. No, I'm just kidding. I apologize for sticking so close to my notes. Makes it a little more, a little more uh, um, awkward than, than normal. But, but I didn't want to miss any of these points today. So look at this. Right now, underneath the devil's tirade, God is on the move. Those of us in America that want America back under God, we're seeing, we're seeing the, the, the hints of the fruit of what's about to come. So it's not a time for us to lay down. It's not a time for us to quit. It's not a time for us to back up. It's time for us to stand up and make our voice heard. Satan has killed in our nation alone 63 million children. How many scientists? How many great orators and men and women of God? How many? I'll just throw this name out. How many Billy Grahams have we taken out? How many Reinhardt Bonkies have we taken out? who won an entire continent for the cause of Christ? How many presidential young people, boys or girls, did we lose who could have been the leader of today? And my heart weeps. And I've spent times on the front line at abortion clinics making my voice heard. And there's a murderous spirit that hangs around those places. You can say what you want. I don't care how popular it is. There is a spirit of murder behind that move. Now listen to me. Now listen to my heart. If you're a lady who's been through that, you were beguiled. The enemy beguiled you. There's no unforgiveness in our heart towards that. And there's no unforgiveness in God for you towards that. Do not hear what I'm saying as hateful. What I'm saying is factual. But here's what I want you to understand. As horrendous as it's all been, as horrible as it all has been, as many people that have populated heaven, think of that, 63 million people populated heaven in the last 49 years who never drew a breath here but drew it there. And one day we will meet them, each and every one, and see what God had intended for them in this life. But out of 
this moment, the moment the gavel falls and the Supreme Court makes its final decision, I believe that suddenly is now. And I believe there will be an emergence of a new generation of believers who are saved from the surgical murder of Satan. A remnant so large and unencumbered by those who find them inconvenient but allowed to live and carry the image of God to the world in dire need. For every great mind, great soul lost to Satan's whack-a-mole tactics will emerge a threat to the very existence of the gates of hell. An impenetrable army so vast and so unmovable that Satan will rule the day that he tried to wipe out Christ and his victory. So lift your hands and magnify God for the seed of woman because Christ Jesus has brought to us a victory like no other. And you are here because the life spring handed down to every woman has given birth down through the ages unto the end of time for we are the recipient of the life of Adam and the life of Christ, and our victory is found in the word mom. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap. Austin, if you'd come. If you'd make your way to the platform, I appreciate it. I was thinking about the word mom, and I was trying to make up things out of that word and I couldn't do it without adding an extra letter but I was thinking about mom and the seed of woman and Eve the life giver and we always call our mom mom when you're intimate with her I thought well what would that stand for Lord and this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. Maternal offspring of the Messiah. Maternal offspring of the Messiah. And you and I benefit from that today. Father, we magnify you. We thank you for our moms. We thank you for the plan, Father, to redeem us from the curse of ourselves the curse of sin and death. We thank you, Father, for how beautiful the ladies are in this room, the sacrifices they give to incubate for us men and their children a life that is full and fulfilled. And I pray, Father, to today that as many of us go and we celebrate our mothers, those of us who get the chance to be with our mom, Father, help us to stop and reflect on where we are and who we are because of our mom. And let those ladies who both are celebrating their mothers and have been a mother feel that they were appreciated today and loved. And let's remind them gently how important their role has been to God throughout time and let's celebrate with the ladies the unique gift 
God gave them. And let's celebrate the gift giver this day. For those who've lost their mama, I pray a blessing over their heart. That today would not be painful memory, but today would be pleasant memory of all the goodness handed to them by the gentle hands of their mother. Those who didn't have a good experience with their mother, Father, I pray for the healing balm of Gilead in this place to heal any maternal wound that could be there from a mother who may have been distracted by this life, overtaken by an addiction, or struggling, or mental incapabilities. Yet we're here, and all of us belong to you. So, Father, help each one. Help each one.